This is the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by The Peers Project. Hello, peers. Welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akitanor, founder of The Peers Project, millennial entrepreneur, world traveller, podcast expert, and forever your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite inspiring millennial entrepreneurs from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer-to-peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way and why there's nothing better. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Gemma Soul, what an incredible millennial. Gemma is the co-founder of 19th Amendment, the on-demand retail and e-commerce platform that connects up-and-coming designers with fashion-forward customers. Alongside her business partner, Amanda Curtis, Gemma is a Forbes 30 Under 30 retail and e-commerce recipient of 2016 and was recently included in National Retail Federation's list of 25 people shaping retail's future of 2018. The company itself has received countless recognition over the years, including the Ali Resilience Award and was the winner of Decoded Times W magazine, Fashion Futures. I had the absolute pleasure of sitting down and speaking with Gemma in New York City and learning of her journey and her story to becoming a millennial entrepreneur. Take a listen. Gemma, welcome to the Pierce Project. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Of course. Yeah, you know, well, I was introduced to you by way of your your business partner, um, Amanda. And, you know, unfortunately, Amanda, um, I'm unable to meet her because she's sick today. But I really feel privileged and just happy to have the time to sit down with you um, and talk to talk about the incredible stuff that you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. Thanks for coming all the way to visit us here in New York. <laughs> of course. So, you know, before we get into your work, I want to start with a question that I've often found has been very insightful and revealing, and that is what did you love to do as a child and how has that has that in any way impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far yeah I mean when I was younger I I was really into art so I loved art and just making things in general and I think that has kind of carried through into my career I started in consulting and then I kind of realized like I don't like just giving people suggestions I like actually you know, implementing the suggestions I give. So a lot of that has come through in terms of just being excited about building stuff and actually seeing your work come to life. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So give me an early, an example early on. So you said you loved art. So did you used to paint a lot? Was it more, um, I don't know, writing? Yeah. Yeah. Like painting and building things. Like I think I did like everything. Yeah. Um, But more just like the thrill of the process Mm. um and then 
being able to see the end result versus like just talking about stuff. Yeah. Okay. Were your parents very um, supportive of that and you progressing and using your art all the way through? Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know about the art part, but uh, my parents, my dad's an entrepreneur um, and an engineer, so very big into the building of things. And um, both have been very encouraging. Mm. Uh, but, you know, we, I definitely went to school and my dad was like, yeah, you know, art is something that you do on the side and you, the job is something that you do to support you know the things that you love doing so um i didn't listen to that advice and <laughs> good. um kind of tried to combine the two yeah good wow so let's just do a deep dive into you know Gemma the early years so yeah. you know you started off you know while you were at University of Rochester I think it was here in New York you started off with a series of internships and I found this really interesting because you kind of went they were very diverse you kind of went from kind of one industry to the next to the next yeah and I thought that was really cool so I, I would love you to go into I guess the first um, experience you had interning and then what that taught you yeah I mean I love that you've done so much research <laughs> let's see if I remember yes. the first intern so, yes. intern I did um are you, is there one in particular you'd so, like to know about? Oh, just the one I had down was the starting block. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 Program. Yeah. Actually, that was just, you know, a couple blocks away in, uh, downtown Manhattan. Um, it was, I kind of got it on a whim. I was pretty young. I think I was like my, after my freshman or sophomore year and I got it through networking and it was very, very early days of starting block, but I had amazing, um, I guess managers at the time, although looking back, they were probably my age now or a little bit younger. Um, and basically it's just a community for entrepreneurs internationally to kind of come together and bring um, kind of a symposium of, and discuss ways to um, make social impact. And this was kind of early startup days and early social impact days and early uh, ideas of like young people can network too and it makes sense um, so that definitely kicked off a lot of my thoughts around like young entrepreneurs I was going to say that yeah. definitely would have sparked something inside of you to think wow there's a different way of doing things yeah that was like my first exposure into like wow communities that have shared beliefs and like are dedicated to doing stuff actually have a lot of power and all a lot of the people I met during that summer have gone on to do really amazing things so. yeah so cool so cool so then you went in you actually had a stint in London which I thought was awesome yeah. so research assistant how did that come about and I guess more specifically what did you find that you learnt um, working abroad in like a city like London yeah so um I'm actually half British and half Australian oh right so it sounds less exciting when you <laughs> <laughs> you know that but um I love London because like the work environment is a lot different like the culture the work culture so like if you come to the U.S. you realize people are very like friendly and smiley and like surface level like like happy happy all the time um and I think in the U.K. it's a little different people take there's less of that surface level kind of um ease yeah yeah. just like chummy go lucky kind of ness and um 
in London, I felt like they were much more just, you know, bullet point, bullet point, here's what's going on, blah, blah, and still friendly, but like in a like, let's have a cup of tea after we finish this discussion about the work things versus in the US, it's usually the other way around, like, let's have a coffee first and then we'll get to work. So um, that's kind of the biggest difference. And then the stuff I was doing there was like research related to social policies. So like, very like abortion rates in London and things wow. like that. So very different, um, but it was good exposure. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Okay. And so then marketing, I'm, I'm literally just rolling through all your internships. Yeah. <laughs> I just find it fascinating how you didn't, I guess my the whole thing I'm trying to get at is you didn't ever think, oh, there's just one thing I really, really want to do. I just want to get experience across the board and yeah. then figure out what that is. And I find that that's an issue that lots of people, at least my age and our age, you know, have. We just don't really know exactly what we want to get into. Right. So I guess what my real question would be would is, you know, did you go into it thinking I'm exploring and I just want to learn about the world or did you go into it just going, this is the next opportunity. Cool. Like, yeah. No, I go into everything thinking mm. that I'm exploring and I think Love that's, it. that's like what you have to do these days. And honestly, if you don't feel like it's worth exploring and you're not like thinking of it as like, well, if anything, I'm going to learn something, then, you know, definitely don't do whatever it is because then you, you'll have absolutely no incentive. Um, but I mean, I studied anthropology, um, e-com, and comms in college, and I graduated in 2009, which was a really hard year to graduate. So basically everything that I thought I was going to do, I didn't do. And so I was kind of like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, see what happens and kind of go with the flow. And um, luckily met a lot of very cool people and got a chance to do cool things yeah so what was it that you thought you wanted to do so when I started so I I should go back to the other comment but I kind of wanted to be an engineer like I was like oh I'll do that and then my alma mater unfortunately like didn't allow you to take classes unless you um majored in it and so I, when you're like in college Declaring a major feels like like a big deal, so I was like, ah, oh, I can't do that. I don't even know anything about it. Um, so I didn't, which is kind of a failing on their end. But um, I kind of went through the rest of my career thinking I'd do like iBanking consulting, which is kind of a track you start on in um, college, and for like four years you do case studies and you network and you kind of like get get on the road to doing that. Um, and then just like winter of 2008, everything changed. Um, so, and basically they froze hiring for that entire year. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'm going to start a business in upstate New York. Yeah. So I was like, if I can't consult anywhere else, I'm going to consult with, uh, local businesses cause they need uh, help. So that's what I did. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that experience. I yeah. found that fascinating how it was a spot. You got sponsored or you won a scholarship? Yeah, so there's a foundation called the Kauffman Foundation, which is like a really large foundation here in the U.S. that spends a lot on studying entrepreneurship and supporting entrepreneurship. And so I got a grant to do that in Rochester with like the caveat that it had to, the business that I started had to help the local community. So hence the small business consulting. So it was kind of a... Um, what do you say? Uh, like 
better rates for consulting, so they got a discount, but it was using a lot of students and recent graduates to do the consulting work. So it was kind of good on both sides because all these unemployed uh, recent graduates could find work with small businesses who needed an ex extra help. And so there was like a nice symbiosis, uh, like a win-win situation. Um, and so I did that for about a year and then got recruited. Um, but it was amazing. I learned so much. Yeah, wow. There. What was the one thing that you just remember learning that, that really changed you during that year? Yeah, I think the importance of sales. Okay. So that's something you don't learn in school. <laughs> no. Although I'm sure you're learning it now as you do your podcast. Um, just like getting, how do you have a, like, do cold outreach to someone, have a conversation and get them to buy into what you're doing. And then, you know, in the minimum, give them your time and it, best scenario, like have get them to pay you to do something. So um, that was like eye-opening, A, because I had never done it before, <laughs> and B, because when it worked, you're like, wow, like, this is so cool, and like, I formed this new relationship, and just that process is, I found fascinating. That was yeah. the best. Cool. Yeah. Love it. Okay. So then you went to work at Booz Allen, I think it was. Yeah, Booz Allen Hamilton. consulting giant. Yes. So talk to me about those two you were there for two and a half years two yeah years? two yeah. years yes yeah. um, talk to me about that time yeah so I think when I started I'd been doing all this very like consulting very hands-on with small businesses and then I went to this really large company outside of DC no small businesses like thousands uh I think tens of thousands of employees and um what struck me was just um great culture, but like how little um, responsibility you're given when you're coming in very at the entry level um, stage, which wasn't necessarily a bad thing. Like I understand why companies do that, obviously, but for someone who had started a whole business over a year, it grown to like, I think at highest like 10 clients, uh, managing 40 students and young adults like I was like well I have no responsibilities <laughs> I don't know if this <laughs> is a good thing or a bad thing yeah. um so um and the the work was very different so I was um staffed on a project for the Department of Defense an agency within the Department of Defense so very different work um like different culture just everything so um yeah, it's wow. different. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. And I do think that is something that I, I talk about a lot, how, you know, when you get into a corporate, you think, you know, you've done like five years of, you know, previous work and internships and this and that. And yeah. sometimes, you know, if you've done something of your own and then you get there and you just think, wow, I'm I'm really scanning papers for the first week or, yeah. you know, I'm just, yeah. I'm really at the bottom. And I find that, yeah, I find that really interesting. I think... What I found interesting about your story was you progressed so quickly up the corporate ladder. Um, so I think it was after the first year you you got promoted up to right. senior consultant. Well, yeah, I mean it's kind of like what we were just talking about. I was like, yeah. I but I, I was like, I can do so much more than this. Yeah. So I really worked really hard to just like be like, what's the fastest I can show them how much of an impact I can make, and it, it happened to be six months. So I was like, I'm gonna do it, <laughs> and so. I did that and um, and it was good, but it, I will have to say like there's there's so much value working in a large company. Like it was great to do it on my own and like like whatever, good, it was good. <laughs> but was like good. Um, now having to employ and work with 
you know, kids, I say kids, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> young adults straight out of school who haven't gone through like an internship at a large company or worked for like a year, a couple months at a large company. They don't like understand a lot of the pros of like simple things like documentation and like, you know, at the end of the day, someone has to scan things it's like true. the CEO isn't going to scan <laughs> them. <laughs> so like, very true. just like, um, you know, have pride in all the work that you get and and know that it helps you learn something. Maybe you can figure out a way to make it better, and that's how you'll, um, you know, succeed in the organization. Yeah, you're yeah. right. So cool. It was eight something like eight awards or something that you received oh, employee awards. Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, they like awards in these, <laughs> in these places. So, what um, did you have to do to get them? I want to know. <laughs> oh, smile. Uh, no, I think just like you know, it's like everything say you're going to do something and then do it and overperform um yeah yeah wow okay so okay so it all goes back to like mm. my liking to do art though like I always like to I never like to do anything like 50% like if I was gonna start a painting if I was gonna do something I was gonna like do it until it was done yeah and make it like you know you know a copy of a Monet it was gonna look as close yeah. as possible and then I was gonna give it to you and so it's like it's kind of the same I see that same theme now and like everything else I've done it's like oh I'm gonna give you that and I'm gonna give that to you 110% and like 50 times faster and so that's just like part of my personality for better or for yeah, worse wow. but. so do you think that I think that's definitely coupled with drive and motivation determination where do you think that came from for you Oh, gosh, that's a good question. I really have no idea. I think it's something you just, like, I would hope parents instill it. <laughs> I think parents instill it. It's just something you, you know, if you don't feel like you should have pride in your work, um, then I don't think you have any reason to do it. Um, but when you realize, and hopefully people start to realize as they get older, like, it's the... Um, the thing that represents you to the world. So it's like if you're not giving your 100%, 110% on that, then like it reflects on you. So it's like, why would you ever not? Yeah. I don't know. Wow. I love That's how that. I think. <laughs> no, I love that. And it's so evident in everything you've done, as you said, even uh, yeah. up until up until today with 19th Amendment, which I really love to go into. Yeah. Um, so, yes. So... Talk to me a bit about how I know your co-founder um, Amanda is yeah. very into the fashion world with fashion design and whatnot. But I found it so interesting, and, and I was so curious to see that you know you with, came to this without any fashion background or anything yeah. like that, and just threw yourself into it. Which is now I can understand. It's just <laughs> how you are. So it, that yes. is amazing, incredible. And yeah, I just want to know the journey of that. Yeah. So I. Um I after two years at Booz, I was like, oh, like I'm. I don't love DC. I'd love to do something else, and so I, I left. I had great, great mentors there, but just had to kind of get away and go back to Boston. Um, there, I met Amanda at something called Startup Institute, um, which was like very, very early at the time, but uh, was around like how you work and build startups. Um, and so I actually didn't talk to her much until she came up like presented this idea she presented it to everyone and people could work on it um 
And so kind of towards the end of the program, I was job hunting and she was still working on this idea. And I was like, oh, like I'll consult for you on this. Like I'll help you get this started. I like, you know, the concept, I'll help you get it off the ground. And we eventually became co-founders. But at the time I started working at a venture capital company called Red Star. And um, so I was doing both. And um, I just loved the how smart the business model was. I mean, it's gone through a couple of iterations, but the general idea of being able to pre-sell fashion or, or anything really, and then have it made on demand just seems so much smarter. So that's kind of going into what 19th Amendment is, but. Yeah, wow. Could, yeah, wow. So could you, yeah, could you give us a bit more of a, an in-depth look into what 19th Amendment yeah. actually is? Yeah. So 19th Amendment is a platform for what we call like on-demand retailing um, and manufacturing. So right now we do it for fashion. So designers can upload garments, um, pre-sell them, and then have them made on demand in the U.S. Um, and so shoppers come on, they discover these pre-sales that happen every 19 days. They get a better price. Um, they get garments they really can't find anywhere else because no one's really supporting these emerging brands and designers anymore Um, and they get basically garments made just for them in the U.S. in a sustainable and ethical way Um, but they also get to kind of in a very art patronage way like support these up-and-coming artists which I love obviously and really kind of vote with their wallets in terms of who they think should be the next big name in fashion versus having like random person on a chair boat so I love that yeah wow so talk to me about the refining process that would have been very challenging I imagine you to yeah <laughs> experienced lots of challenges throughout that process how how was that of the idea yeah yeah so I mean um the like original version of the idea we were doing a lot of the production management on behalf of brands so it was a lot of work so we were managing uh like over 400 brands, over like a thousand SKUs, so individual garment SKUs, um, on behalf of these brands. And we were like, oh man, this is so hard. This is really hard and hard to scale with a team of four. And so we went back to the drawing board and basically um, the software system that we were using to manage all of this, we made uh, basically available to the designers so they could now manage the production themselves and find the, the manufacturers whom we were using already. They were already on board um, on the manufacturing side. And so we just we were like, why are we inserting ourselves? We should we can remove ourselves and scale the business much yeah. better. Wow. Yeah. And scale you have. Forbes 30 <laughs> under 30. Um, phenomenal. That was this year wasn't it uh 2016 2016 that's it was announced yeah so talk to me about even applying for that who thought you know did did, was it Amanda who came came up with that actually you don't I don't think you apply to it um what happens is somebody nominates you so we were nominated by um the partnership fund for New York which is a kind of municipal fund um that was part of the first um, class of the New York Fashion Tech Lab. So they um, they saw what we were doing. And in New York, there's a big, there's a lot of kind of government and community forces trying to keep kind of the garment center and the garment district alive. They realize how much fashion has kind of shaped the city and is a part of the economy. And so um, they saw what we were doing and, and submitted us because of like the work in that space yeah wow what was it like when you received that 
what what was that feeling like when you was recognized by such a massive body yeah for the work you've I mean done? it was cool I'm not gonna lie definitely like when I was younger I had had like some like third degree connections or something who'd won and I was like man I gotta win that before I'm 30 and wow okay <laughs> luckily 30 was coming up but um I think when we were 28 or 29 we got that um so I mean it's a huge kind of achievement to be recognized I think what you realize is like it's a nice box um and the network is great uh but like uh, how it impacts your your business like varies depending on like what you're trying to do um but yeah, it's uh, it's cool. We still it's go so to cool. all the events. <laughs> so cool. Super cool. I just want to say everything we've discussed so far has been incredibly insightful and very revealing and, and you know, as I thought it would be. So I want to finish up with our last question, which is how we finish all of our interviews here at The Pierce Project. And that is, what do you think is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Oh, good question. I'm... The value. So, well, A, you learn what grit is. And if you have it, which I'm sure you've come across multiple times before. But, um, yeah, basically you learn if you're really, truly passionate about something. And passion is, like, kind of a word I struggle with. Like, I love the idea of purpose more than passion because, like, I'm passionate about lots of things. Like, if you show me a good thing, I'll be passionate about it. Uh, and I also think it's a term that's, like, a little bit overused. But um, but I love the idea of, like, setting goals and having a purpose and then working towards that. And you'll realize pretty quickly, like, if you really want to do it or if you just, like, think you want to do it. Um, and then... You know, the, the best things you learn about yourself are the things that you do when you feel uncomfortable or, like, you don't know what you're doing. And then you, you figure out you either do or you find someone who um, can help you do it. And those are kind of the relationships that help you grow as a person. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. I have learnt so much already in this space of time <laughs> we've had. Um, so where can people learn more about you and your work? Yeah, so the best place to go is 19thamoment.com. That's always a good place to start to kind of delve into the fashion space. Um, people can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I think I'm just forward slash Gemma.soul or something. Um, and yeah, like Twitter, I'm on Facebook a lot. Um, happy to answer emails. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Gemma. Yeah, um, thanks for coming. <laughs> of course, of course. And for every, everybody listening, we'll end with that. Piers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Piers to Piers podcast. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do, which is our way of saying inspirational for more make sure to subscribe to our show on itunes spotify or any app where podcasts are played and leave us a review we produce with passion and it doesn't stop here to see what else we're up to visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on instagram at thepeersproject we'll have fresh real talk for you next week peers Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers.